is quality making you feel good? Yeah. Or is it impacting your business? And is it impacting positively your customers? I'm Margaret Kelsey. I am Devin Bramhall. And this is Don't Say Content. A podcast we made to inspire ourselves and fellow marketing leaders who are also bored with the current state of marketing. Created and produced in partnership with Share Your Genius. Share Your Genius helps B2B SaaS companies create world-class podcasts like ours. Okay, folks, let's get into the show. So, Margaret, I want to say a dirty word. Talk dirty to me. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Our, this is on our list. It it's is. on our list. It's on our bad word list. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hey, children, put your earmuffs on. I want to talk about quality. Ah, <gasps> quality. It's so nebulous. <laughs> no. There's no shared definition, so it's worthless as a word. <laughs> it's also an ugly word. Can we find a prettier word for qualities since it's meant oh. to be beautiful? You don't know, like the Q-U? Q-U? Maybe it's like, st- it's more staccato. Quality, mm. it's sort of, it starts off as staccato and then it gets more lyric. Quality. Quality. Yeah, you're right. Maybe it's a little, yeah. it's a lyrical. It's a, st- 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 lyrical. A little staccato, a little lyrical in there. I don't know. Are you a musician, Devin? No, I was just going to say I wasn't a music major. <laughs> Do you want to know why I know about, like, why the word staccato is in my lexicon vocabulary? I hope it's some very silly story. It's a Paul Simon song from. It's. It's from a song that I can't now. I'm, I'm I've got it in my mind. It. I think it's from Rhythm of the Saints, but he he uses the word staccato and it really sticks out in the line because and so like I just note that word I feel forever. Like staccato is almost an onomatopoeia. You Wait, I mean? is that when it's what's the onomatopoeia again? Like um, bam, like a word that sounds like like oh. a word that sounds like a sound. I think yes. it's an onomatopoeia. It does. It is. Right? It's kind of like that. Is like, it like almost sounds like what, what it is. Yeah. It's a good word. It's a good word. Onomatopoeia. I'm so bad at those terms for things. Well, I guess in general, but specifically <laughs> the ones around words. Words for words. Yeah. Or like words for, for instances in combinations of words. Yeah. Like I... sometimes I'll say metaphor when I really mean. Simile. Thank you. I was a big, 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 uh, like high school English person, like AP English. I loved diagramming sentences. Did you like diagramming sentences? I feel like that's something we could align on. Did you ever do it? Probably. And yes, it's definitely the type of thing that I would enjoy. Everyone else would groan. They would be like, oh, it's diagramming sentences day. And I would be like, my time has arrived. (laughs) Margaret in the spotlight. I'm like, let me up to that whiteboard. I'm about to diagram the shit out of this sentence. (laughs) Well, what do you say we diagram the shit out of quality? Because actually... Break it apart. We have to say that one of the reasons we're talking about this at all is because somebody did sort of diagram it, and I think he got a lot of shit for it. Or some shit, which I don't necessarily think was based on reading the entire article, but... 
Ryan Law, my former colleague, a brilliant writer. Hi, Ryan. And content marketer. Hi. He wrote a post called The Quality Cliff. And it got, I remember I was at my desk one day and Ashley sent me a link to a post about it where folks were getting a little fired up. And to be fair, I think they were fired up about one sentence that was highlighted from the newsletter versus reading the entire article, which I think that's what, you know, typical of. It's what we do nowadays. Yeah. But he brings up a very valid and applicable and often debated slash, you know, factored into concept, which is quality as it relates to content marketing or just marketing in general is even more relative than it is in gen- as a word generally because quality isn't just about the perfection of the thing that you're making in your marketing strategy. It is how effective it is. Mm-hmm. And part of his – I don't want to summarize his point for him, but like part of what he was talking about that is everyone – like everyone can relate to and has talked about, which is – if you make it polished, pristine, quote unquote, perfect grammar, punctuation, does not everything, does that actually make a difference in its efficacy, in its readability, in the user experience even? In the conversion. Exactly. Yeah. How perfect, how high quality does it need to be? And what is your definition of high quality? And does everyone have the same definition of high quality? Like, I mean, this was a mistake that I made. We used to talk about quality content to a fault at animals. And it was like, wait a second. I based our whole company around it at one point. You know, like we were really, because I thought I was earnest. You yeah. know, I was like, this matters. This is where, you know, we're going to make the best content on the internet. And I'm like, well, what's best? Best, Yeah, what's best? And I think that like the trends change over time, right? Like Instagram used to be about highly filtered, perfect pictures. And now Gen Z's taking it to like raw, rough. They want it to look like those underdeveloped, like, like Polaroid and disposable camera pictures that we had where like the wrong things in focus and the subjects not in focus and like that now is seen as like quality or, or in good taste and stuff like that. So like it even changes over time and what is good. And so I think to your point and to Ryan's point, the efficacy of it is the importance or could be seen as the quality if you want to even call it like that's the the thing that makes it quality. And you don't get that until you ship it because mm-hmm. it can't be effective until it's live. Yep. Agree to agree to agree. Also, there's two things. One, I think Brad Pitt actually ushered in this like imperfect photo trend of the past, like what, at least five years. Because remember that magazine cover he was on where he showed that he could be like 40 plus and they showed like his pores and everything. It was like, a really grainy photo of him on some flashy. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, let me jump into those pores. But you know what? That's like he – Fucking Brad Pitt, man. He was like, everybody looks good. I know. And I was like, not everybody looks good like that, but it's fine. Um, But no, even to your point, like even art, right? Some of the art that we now can consider, you know, I don't know, world-class, the best, those artists like failed when they were making it. People thought they were heretics and losers. and, And now we're like billions or millions of dollars for a painting that 
in its time wasn't quote unquote successful at all. It wasn't considered quality yeah. because, you know, so I, yeah, I think absolutely it's a moving target. Absolutely. It's almost become like a vanity metric. Is quality making you feel good? Yeah. Or is it impacting your business? And is it impacting positively your customers? Yeah. Or your I think readers? It's a, I think it's, I think it's a crutch to not ship stuff because it's difficult to ship stuff. There's a spectrum of people and you can obviously change, but I think everyone lives at a, any given moment on a spectrum of shipper to polisher, right? Shippers on one end that they just like throw things live before they're ready. It's messy. It's gross, but it's live. And the other end is polishers who would never, ever, ever ship thing because ship anything because it's not perfect yet. Yeah. And I think marketers fall on that spectrum. I, I'll totally generalize, but I think like growth marketers are on the shipper side and designers are on the polisher side. <laughs> and like that is usually the spectrums, right? And I'll tell a story about Ty Magnan, who um, I worked with at AppCues and now most recently brought in to vendor. And he told me at AppCues after he had sent sent live an uh, email to lots of people with a typo in it. He was like, Margaret, it makes us sound human. It's a good thing. Because it looks, and I'm like, no, you just didn't proofread it, Ty. Like, you can't get, <laughs> don't pretend like this was on purpose. And so all I, press I think... is good press, though. <laughs> True. All responses are good responses, I guess. <laughs> But the thing is, is that I think even as teams are built, it's important to build with lots of different types of people. I think the polishers need the shippers and the shippers need the polishers. So hopefully you land somewhere in the middle knowing that nobody is ever, it's really hard to hire a bunch of people that are right in the middle of shipper and polisher. So yeah. as you're building a team, it's good to just understand what you have on the team. And it's another another variable that you can play around with. Does your marketing team need to speed up, throw some shippers on there? Does your marketing team need to slow down, like get some polishers on there? So it's another like dimension of you could call it personality that you can use as you're starting to uh, manufacture teams. Yeah. I almost see the, like a definition of quality for each individual company as being almost part of their business model, specifically as it relates to digital content. Yeah. Sometimes I remember at Help Scout when we would create a blog post and have, you know, illustrations with in-house illustrator. And if that post, say we shared that image with some text on Facebook to distribute the post. Our growth marketer would look at the posts that perform best, look at the, analyze the copy, the, et cetera, and then create a simplified version of that image for the ad, the paid version of it, because that's what he knows works better. And, I, and so I think like, if you think about the evolution of the style guide, because I think there's a lot of aspects of the style guide that are dated and restrictive unnecessarily and are kind of holding like brands evolution as they grow back. You know, what if you started with what is our, like, what is our company's stance on quality? What are the criteria? And then hire against that criteria that will automatically inform for you whether or not you need two thirds shippers and one third polisher or reverse. And I think it also like allows you to be more efficient, but like most companies don't have that. And so these conversations become very qualitative and unproductive because you've got five different people. Who's in charge? Who's a, Just go back to your company's definition of quality. Is it meeting these standards? And not all of them are going to be consumption-based or like visual, right? Some of them yeah. are going to be like 
were you able to ship this thing that's designed to achieve this business goal in the expected amount of time yeah. to produce the ROI that we think that this thing is we've determined should minimally achieve? Yeah. And to that point, that should be informed by what your audience or what your intended user thinks of as quality. I go back to like when I was at Envision, everything that marketing touched and created had to be pixel perfect because it was a designer audience. It needed to be beautiful, right? We had like custom images where we would send a photographer to these designers' offices and get these like beautiful images that then we could use as our stock photos because then we had custom stock photos because that's something that matters to designers is that we are not using standard ass stock photos that they look at all day long. The user experience of the marketing, it was so important because like they were thinking about user experience and their apps all day long. So if you made them do three extra clicks, they're annoyed because they think about how many clicks a user's doing all the time. Whereas if your audience is, let's say, like a CFO audience, how easily is that financial data laid out? Is it in a spreadsheet versus is it in a PDF where they can't copy paste it and manipulate it? And like, so quality is even dependent on your audience and the type of information that they need to receive and how they can utilize that information or how it resonates with them. And so I think that the more that your own internal quality bar can be, can be, created to the customer exactly then then you're going to have a more resonant marketing program i completely agree it's like they're the source they're the beating heart it's never about just doing exactly what the customer wants because there are times when you need to push them a little bit you need to show them aspiration right envision's a great example of that help scout was another we weren't talking to designers but our visual aesthetic was intentionally impeccable because the three co-founders were deeply, deeply invested in like making a, a product that was good by every dimension. That was sort of what they felt they owed their customers. They were, your CFO example is a great one. There was a, a company I worked with and they had like a few, there was a few things with their website that was like, I think there was a typo or something else. And I told the person who was working on it and he's like, oh yeah, they don't care about the website. They wish they didn't even have to have one because none of the CFOs are ever going to go to it and it doesn't matter. And I was like, oh. Oh, oh, this thing that I've always held up as being the most important like collateral in marketing to this audience doesn't matter. Nope. Ahrefs taught me SEO. It was our infrastructure at Animals. Yeah. Like that was part of our like tech stack and everybody at the company used it. And I just remember growing up at startups and nobody was ever there to teach you your job. And you had to learn a lot along the way. Help Scout was where I really had to get my shit together with SEO strategy. And I was like, what do I do? And one of our growth marketers walked me through Ahrefs. The UI looks like it's a lot, but then you go and start using it and it's like all logic. It's all logic. Like it's all marketing logic, the way it works. And so you're kind of like, oh, you're just like giving me all the answers. And it's also the fact, the reason that I feel like it feels like that is because it is so powerful. Like you literally have access to information that I had no idea that I could actually access. Competitors, keywords, how they're ranking, like 
absolutely powerful stuff in order to understand how your content and brand programs are. So Ahrefs, thank you so much for not only a fantastic product, but also sponsoring season two. Yes. And also helping me achieve my first big objective at Help Scout. It was pretty important and aggressive and it kept me in my job a little bit longer. So So thank you for Devin's salary back then. Ahrefs. Don't say Ahrefs. Say Don't say Ahrefs. Don't say Ahrefs. Say Ahrefs. 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 Actually, you know what's funny? Quality increasingly equals not content. This is why I keep beating the drum about like how websites don't matter and blogs don't matter. There are an increasing number of industries that are finally sort of catching on to more modern marketing practices, but they're still fundamentally, you know, this company that I was speaking with, they make a software for property managers. And there was someone there asking for my advice. And I was like, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, these folks are not searching the internet for solutions to their problems, slash they hardly ever use a computer. And they're like, yeah. yeah. And so the way to find them is through more analog means. I was like, I'm going to venture to say that there's like five conferences a year that they all go to. And they were like, yep. And I was like, I'm going to venture to say, you know, it's like you kind of make, so content for them is, you know, a dinner, a one-on-one, maybe a research report, maybe it's an analysis, but it's not content. Yeah. Or digital content. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And quality to them would be like connection and conversation or insights from those events. And I think the more I know we're trying to talk about quality, I guess it's adjacent. But the more you can understand the worlds in which those people are inhabiting, then you can do this. And I'll say another bad word, which I think is on our list, but omni-channel approach. I know. It's so bad. It's so bad. That one's going to cost you a full dollar. I know. I will give you one doll hair. One (laughs) doll hair from my collection. Um, I'll give you a gray hair of mine. (laughs) A gray hair. Yeah. That's what I always try to also get folks to think about is like marketers have done silly things like create, you know, user personas and create these big images of like, oh, it's Sally and she has a dog and she, you know, is 32 and she whatever. That's not useful. It's useful to understand that these types of people go to these conferences and these type of people usually fly southwest on their way to the conference. And then when they go to the conference, they're trying to, you know, like their industry only allows them to expense hotels up to $300. So they're going to stay at the middle of the road Marriott. And that's when you can create like omni-channel experiences. That's where you can create marketing in the places where they already inhabit rather than trying to find them out in the ether or shout into the void of maybe the void is the internet where they're not actually spending that much time. Right. That is actual strategy. Yeah. Right. That's actual strategy versus oh, I have a product and I want to market it and here are the tactics that are already out there. I'm going to use them and expect that anything at all is going to happen. Yeah. And to your point about context matters, like the whole world in which the customer operates, it's another important factor because think about, like you were talking about earlier, how quality changes over time. So do your customer circumstances. So in the case of this property management 
software company. I'm like, okay, so right now it's super analog. The next generation of property managers are going to be the opposite. And so what you're optimizing for is like a one to whatever year, given the average age of current property owners, you know that this strategy is going to work for X period, you know, 10 years, but yeah. you need to start looking ahead, both from a product standpoint and from a marketing standpoint, because in order to achieve longevity, right, as a product, you need to make sure that you're, that you're starting to think about how you're going to cater to the next generation too, which is coming around the corner probably going to actually have influence before that 10 year mark, because they're going to come in and start training and being like, what the F are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. That to me is more strategy versus what I think a lot of people are doing, creating our plans. Yeah. They're just creating a marketing plan. Strategy is when you look at the unique circumstances of your customer, their world, your resource, et cetera, and coming up with some, an hypothesis that is efficient, effective, and seeing if it works. Yeah. And those are the things that actually actually makes marketing easier because you're not in the noisy channels. You're finding the places where maybe nobody else is, you know, maybe nobody's advertising in Sky Mall magazine anymore. But you know for a fact that if you get in there in the month of July that all that, that this conference is at, that these people are going to be sitting there on their way to the plane. That's where you can actually find a channel that actually makes sense and you can really saturate and own and have some industry in, interesting learnings. I just kicked over my... Especially for smaller yeah. companies too, where you, you don't have that like whatever twenty to $50,000 budget to exhibit at a conference. Mm -hmm. My reaction to that is thank God. Yeah, because there's a, you know hundreds of other people exhibiting at that same conference, and the only thing they're doing to try to stand out is like, oh, we have this special treat for you or that. But if enough of them are doing it, you're just cruising tables just to get a cookie here, a beer there, you know, whatever. Whereas if you say, all right, I have ten thousand dollars, I have my employees, like, oh, you know, at Help Scout we did a dinner with some customers and some prospects. And they had a wonderful time. Yeah. We knew them by name. We were able to extend that relationship, curating an experience, especially. This is like especially true for products that are like, what's the word? Like you're not, you don't sell at high volume. It's mm. like, you know what I mean? There's like 50 people in the, in the United States that like are potential customers. It's a way that you can maximize your efforts versus like if you're using the same marketing tactics for a product that caters to 50 customers that you're wasting your time and your money yeah and from a quality standpoint i think that's why you know help scout was similar to envision like it was all about polish and i cared about it too we were maniacal about it and it didn't you, like, okay, perfect example. We, when I came in, my first big objective was like increased traffic by, I think it was like 125K. And I had, I don't know, six or nine months to do it or something like that. And two doll hairs. And two doll hairs. <laughs> Actually, I had zero doll Rub hairs. Rub them together. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I had zero doll hairs. The most effective thing we did like I, okay, fine. So I revamped our content calendar. I was like, number one, we weren't writing about customer service. This is a customer service software where I was like, I have done an analysis of our content. And I'm like, why the fuck were you talking about customer service? We were talking about like 
philosophy and like colors. And, and I was like, I can't. Yeah. So fine. I did some smart things to focus our content and SEO towards a limited set of keywords. If I'm being honest, looking at the actual numbers, refreshing a certain number of posts, ditching some of the like low performing ones, doing some like basic, more technical side SEO and a little bit of content SEO were the big, biggest needle movers. Mm. Everything else ended up being just like smart and like good basis for like a, you know, our brand strategy. But like yeah. they did not aggregate the lion's share of that traffic. I was going like, to say, I wonder, I was going to wonder if you actually saw a dip from going from like very broad topics to like actually like creating content for your target audience. We didn't. Yeah. We were like, we almost like, we didn't replace it, but um, we were also getting smaller or smarter about our quality metric, which this was at the same time, a lot of companies were waking up to realize that top level traffic as a, as a metric is not useful. And so we were like, oh, it's actually more about, I guess you could apply more of a funnel model to it. It's like, what kind of traffic are we bringing in? How much of that can we convert, et cetera? That's a higher quality content program Yeah, that is more opinionated, thus makes it easier for you to create quality standards for individual pieces and follow that all down the line. It also, yeah. guess what? It speeds up our content creation process because guess what? When you're a company that makes a customer service software and you're writing about the customer service space exclusively, you can write faster because you're now aggregating a body of knowledge in one particular area instead of trying to become an expert in like, Everything. you know, Camus yeah. to write a book about like good writing. It doesn't, that actually doesn't line up. Those two things don't line up, but you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. There's a level of quality or a level of, I guess I'll, I'll use the word quality that, that gives a connotation of care and thoughtfulness and that you feel like you're being taken care of. And I think when we think about like emotionally resonant brands or brands that resonate with their target audience, we're all, most of us are human beings out there. If generative AI is listening to this podcast, we are friends. We are friends. <laughs> we are friends. I think that like when we think about brands that resonate, it resonates for human values and there is some level of quality or some some definition of quality that that gives a perception or shows that the company cares about you. About, also, yeah. I feel like if you're the ones talking about quality, the range of quality standard is irrelevant because we're taught the fact of us talking about it means that our standard falls within a range that most people wouldn't notice in which most people wouldn't notice any difference because it's on the higher end of the spectrum. Yeah. Thus like any, any, any differences are unnoticeable to the naked eye versus we shouldn't even be having this conversation basically because it's irrelevant versus and you know what I'm referencing and my big complaint. So now I'm putting it back on myself, which progress, right? But versus yesterday I was on the cutting room with Tommy Walker. So much fun take, tearing down a piece. Like it was objectively bad. It we repeated entire paragraphs. You know, it used vague language. It had often contradictory advice within the same paragraph. Like it was, it was wrong 
even to a third grader. And I think that's insulting third graders, actually. Like, it was just terrible, right? And I think that that's, like, truly where quality matters is the difference between anything we might talk about. Yeah. And content on that end of the spectrum. And that, I think, is the biggest problem. Is like, the people who are producing content like that, their quality metric has nothing to do with audience benefit or any type of any any kind of integrity. They don't care that it objectively sucks. Yeah. Because their quality metric probably has to do with like driving enough traffic to get whatever it is that you get from that these days from writing garbage posts like ad revenue or affiliate or I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know what the benefit is anymore. I was so frustrated with this a couple years ago that I brought I bought the URL gross.marketing because I was gonna have like this, I know, I had this plan and it see it once I actually thought about it, it seemed too negative. But it was right when like growth marketing and growth hacking was starting to like rise and it was kind of a dirty word because it was about that kind of spammy stuff of like of like just spinning up a bunch of stuff and seeing what sticks and just getting it out there and like quality be damned brand, like brand experience be damned. Yeah. And I was so frustrated with it that, yeah, I, I, I own gross.marketing and I've never actually done anything with it, but my that. whole, my tagline was going to be like growth marketing doesn't have to be gross marketing. I actually kind of like that. But even growth marketing has changed a lot. This is something I didn't direct much attention to, but it's something that Alex Burkett has been talking to me a lot about, like, and he calls it experimentation. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting because that is, I think the, the integrity side of things where you're like, oh, we're going to try different stuff to see what works and works. You know, I was like, that is interesting to me because that serves a purpose. Whereas like growth hack always felt lazy to me. Yeah. Even if the thing was effective, it's usually only effective for a short period of time and to your point, doesn't lend to the brand at all. And that bums me out because I'm a brand, like I'm a brand. But again, some companies don't, that's not what they need. And so I think like my, what I keep coming to every time I talk about this is that there, it, there should not be a worldly definition of quality. What every business needs to do is define quality for themselves I think velocity beats quality every day of the week. But velocities might be part of the quality criteria. Exactly. I'm saying velocity velocity beats polish every day of the week. Yeah. Because you get more information, right? So the polish yeah. through – I think what you're saying is like through velocity, you know what to polish. Right. Versus guessing because it's coming from the people who are consuming it, which ideally are your customers. Thus, yeah, yeah. And that goes back to the experimentation, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, it's not about hacking. It's not about growth at all costs. It's about learning through doing. I mean, we're a perfect example. We didn't put out the most perfect polished version of the podcast when we started. It is beautiful. (laughs) It is gorgeous. She is lovely. Don't talk about our child that way. But she's missing a few doll hairs, I think. (laughs) We'll work on the doll hairs. Yeah. She is lovely. She is perfect. She has never done anything wrong in her entire life. Here's what's coming up next on Don't Say Content. 
we consistently saw a understanding of community from the founders who were saying community words. It was very much a megaphone to them. It was like something they did at people, not with people. And so a founder or whoever will often just use whatever term maybe it was at their previous company, right? Rather than like zooming back up to saying like, what is community to human beings? And how does that philosophy of building relationships and belonging translate into a business practice? And it's obviously never a megaphone. Okay, y'all, that's a wrap. Thank you as always for listening. We'll be back next week. And just remember, you're doing great. You're doing great. 30% of you are doing great. The rest, you got to get your shit together. Come on. You know, you know which side you're on this week. You know. (laughs) You know. See you next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) I don't know why, but you saying that is like making me feel flattered, even though like I can't, like for some reason. You're part of it. You're a mom too. You're a mom too. Dog mom, podcast mom.